Hello, and welcome to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast with Parker Bennett and me, Mallory, Parker's assistant. <laughs> hey, Parker. How's it going? <laughs> Good. Um, today's episode, we're going to dive into what you need to know if you're buying or selling property in the winter months. My name is Parker Bennett, and I've spent the last 20 years helping people through the process of their largest single investment they may ever make their home. From building inspector to real estate agent, I've chalked up a number of great experiences and strategies for everything related to the home buying experience. This podcast is dedicated to anything and everything around the Kamloops real estate market. Welcome to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. So we got, we started this podcast a couple times already. We've mm-hmm. already like we've got in, interrupted here a couple times. <laughs> it's true. Busy I day. feel I feel like we need to get the Mally J thing still stuffed into this one. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So like, welcome Mally J. Thank you so much. Also known as Mallory Johnson. You're the only person that calls me Mally J, but I don't hate it. I've been called worse. So what about um, this blazer thing you got going on? Oh right. Okay. So quick backstory on this girl. I used to host the Blazer Games as a uh, one of my part-time jobs uh, 10 years ago for three seasons. I'd run around the arena during games and give away Timbits, and I was on the big screen, you know, the person with the microphone, doing Dance for Your Dinner and promotional what's, stuff. What's Dance for Your Dinner? It happens at... It's probably this... I can't remember if it's the first or second break between the periods, but they play a song on the... Yep. arena speakers and whoever dances in their seat and they get, you know, shown on the fan cam. Right. There's a sort of an ultimate winner okay. and they win like a $50 gift certificate to Earl's or something. Oh, I'm not sure nice. what the prize is now, but currently be, they still could do be it. even better now. I let's like, I hope so. Given right. the cost of food. It wasn't just like a hot dog <laughs> and a pop. No, it was a gift card. And I used to, yeah, do that kind of thing anyway. So it's been 10 years since I left that, it's very exciting part-time job, but I will be filling in hosting for two games coming up, December 9th and 10th. Nice. Your girl is going to be back at the Blazer Arena, back slinging arena. Timbits. And, slinging Timbits? And GCs into the crowd. Do you have one of those things where you can shoot T-shirts into the... You're talking about the T-shirt cannon. Yeah. I have never wielded the T-shirt cannon. Digger always gets to do that. That thing looks really fun to play I with. I really like the sound it makes. It sort of makes like a kind of yeah. air compressed air sound. Nice. Not yet. Maybe that'll be my goal coming up here. So what what was the like what what was the um your official title? Game host. So you were like the game host. That is the official title for that position. But I technically was part of the promotions. Team, that sounds more important than like the referee. It sounds that way, but you ha- one must remember, literally no one is there to watch <laughs> me do my thing. I'm just there to fill, well, for one, fill time, but it's also to keep, ad- you know, advertising dollar, advertisers happy. Right. And crowd engagement. Crowd engagement's always So yep. got to be on. Cool. Personality. Cool. Do you think you'll like wear like a Blazers jersey that says Mally J on the back? Well, I'll definitely be wearing a jersey. So I had to dig out my old ones. They're 10 years old now, so they'll be horribly outdated. But mine actually don't say anything on the back, which is too I bad. Think, I was I opportunity should, missed. Mally J. 
So we'll see. See what Digger thinks. I know. Okay, well, um, cool. We have a great topic that we're going to discuss today that might add some value for potential buyers buying in this uh, wintry wonderland that we're currently in. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought we would throw out a couple tidbits, just some random information that I dug up. It was a uh, some noteworthy news. Noteworthy first. news. It's up to date, right to the moment. Um, first bit of tidbit up: Canada's new foreign buyer ban begins January 2023. So in January. If you are not Canadian uh, by resident or um, if you were not a legal landed immigrant, you will not be able to buy homes, residential homes in Canada for two full years. All right. So a little late late to the party. (laughs) The government's doing their best to slow down the crazy housing market, but. But a pretty big regulation like that's. Totally. Yeah. And I think they, they don't have it all figured out just yet. Um, but there is a buyer ban enforcement coming. So, um, look out realtors. If you're involved in, if you are any part of the process of helping or assisting a purchase of a foreign buyer, uh, for the next two years, you could be faced with a $10,000 fine. And I'm sure the council will do their number to rectify your, uh, standing license as Mm -hmm. well. Risks. Um, next up on the, uh, Groovy information. Average rent rise over the last 12 months mm-hmm. is sitting at 11.8% uh, year oh. over year from October 2021 to 2022. That's crazy. That's crazy and very painful. Yeah. Uh, Vancouver tops the list of the top 35 cities with the highest rate increase. Um, an average monthly rent for a one-bedroom home in Vancouver is 2576 bucks. Oh. And I'm not really sure if that's a home or like Just a condo, a, like a residence of some sort. Yeah. Um, the average monthly rent for a two-bedroom in Vancouver, 3521 bucks. Oh, my God. And I'm not exactly sure where Kamloops sits on that, but I can tell you it's significantly less yep. than Vancouver. That, oh, those are, those numbers hurt. Hefty numbers. Better yeah. to buy. Um, there was another interesting fact. Uh, I'm just going to read this paragraph that came from StatsCan. Since March, when interest rates began to rise, the average rent in Canada increased by 9.2%, which compares nearly equivalent to the 9.9% decline in the benchmark resale price from March to October. Okay. So... That that sounds crazy, but literally as the interest rates were rising, uh, landlords were increasing their rents to try and stabilize that. Mm-hmm. At the same token, values of houses and homes were going down. Yeah. Like offset by the same it's, amount. It's they're going in the opposite direction. You'd think that would go, I think the rents go up later. You know, the market increases. It takes a while for the rental market to, mm-hmm. to catch up to that. There's... Anyways, that was interesting. Uh, The last uh, little tidbit that I got for you, more of a fun one, I guess. Uh, There was a survey conducted in June by a company called Ledger. Ledger. I (laughs) I like the flair you put on. Ledger. Ledger. And this was uh, a study done with uh, millennials in Canada, ages 26 to 41, 25% 25% of millennials in Canada believe they will never own a home. Yeah. <laughs> According to Royal LePage and Leisure. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. I'm in that demographic. And 
kind of feel the same. Like it, you know, just right. given all the circumstances, rents going up, like people, you know, saving is harder than ever. Sure. It's always been hard, but right. I, it's kind of a dismal mindset and tough for a realtor to hear maybe. But well, things change. I'd like to prove the stats wrong. I'd like mm-hmm. to bring enlightenment that you can purchase a home. Mm-hmm. Um, you just need to plan and execute. Yeah. All right. And like, just stop eating because grocery is so expensive. Yeah. Stop eating. Stop just... eating. Grow your own vegetables. But like, what do you, do you even do in the winter? <laughs> well, you hunt. You hunt. Right. Yeah. Taking it back and catch food, gather seeds yeah. and other natural plants and save your bucks to buy yes. a, to buy a two bedroom home in Kamloops city. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. I, I actually hear that there's actually going to be a black Friday sale at city gardens this Friday. <laughs> oh, good. What, I, if you buy a house, so if you buy a condo, a unit, and there's actually specific units that they're in the Trillium complex, uh, on the 25th of November, I'm not sure if that's like, you remove subjects or you make your offer yeah. on the 25th, you get a How free $5,000 um, EV charger. So Boy. you only, if you have an electric vehicle, well, I guess, does that right? does it benefit apply? you? Do you think okay. there'll be door crashers at that? I wonder. I was thinking a good real estate agent would look at that data and say, hmm, I bet you we can negotiate it anyways. Now there you go. Yeah. Anyways, on to our featured topic of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you'll need to know, buying a home in the winter months. Yeah. And it's so winter out there right now. Like, open the door and it's an actual blizzard outside. It literally so is a blizzard Perfect today. topic for the day. Yeah, it's a cold and wet, uh, dreary day out there. Um, this is a topic that we've chatted here in the office quite a few times about just brainstorming different limitations, maybe pros and cons for buyers and sellers with regards to um, buying a home, you know, in December, as opposed to the spring market, which everybody, you know, perceives as being the market to buy and sell in. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's just start it right off the get here. Well, let's start with the limitations uh, to buying in the, in the wintry months. I'll start with some of the things that are maybe more obvious. Sounds like, good. Like roofs and gutters. So obviously when there's snow on the roof, you can't see it. Nope. <laughs> so you can't, you can't tell, you know, the potential age of your roof shingle. You mm-hmm. can't tell the condition of it. You can't tell if there's other items like flashings and deterioration yeah. that might be applicable. Your insurance company is not going to like hearing that you don't have a number for them when you apply for insurance mm-hmm. when you buy this time of year. Um, I do know that there are home inspectors out there um, that will scratch a little chunk of snow out to maybe get a general age I, class of your shingle. Well, that's good. Like uh, something to assess, right? It'll be very limited, but it'll yeah. be like, you know, if it's a, for instance, I don't want to get too technical, but if it's a laminated yeah. shingle, Mm-hmm. that you have on your roof. Laminated shingles were not invented um, until I'm going to say around 2005. Okay. Therefore, a 25-year shingle, mm-hmm. it's still within its life yeah. expectancy. So if you see one of those, you know, hey, you're, you're going to have at least five to 10 years left. Yeah. Worst case scenario. 
Um, there are other shingles that are pretty distinctive than like a 90s built interlock shingle that would be like toast. Yeah. But it's a true limitation. So purchasing, you know, you're not going to know, probably not going to know much about your roof condition unless you have photos from the seller that might indicate something from a... Oh, that's a really good tip, actually. You know, the house has yeah. been on the market like mm-hmm. 70 some odd days. The pictures were probably taken before it snowed. Mm-hmm. That'd be a bonus. Um, overall drainage and grading of a property might be a little difficult to evaluate. If all the water's frozen and you can't see what's going on. Yeah, if there's just snow banks, you don't know where that snow is going to go. If you were to drive down Valley View Drive and you would look at the north side of the road, Mm -hmm. you will get into a good chunk of houses that have a negative slope to their house. Oh, from the roadway. From the roadway. Okay. So these are obvious because Mm -hmm. when the snow melts... This is when home inspectors get calls and realtors get calls about flooded garages and entrances that are filling up with water. Yeah. Um, you could probably, you know, diagnose that before pulling the trigger on a purchase, but, but maybe it's not something you think of when it's snowbanks and uh, instead of, you know, a clear visual view of, of your driveway. Right. On that note... Mm-hmm. Your driveway is also going to be something that you don't know the condition of. Right. Unless you have a very good homeowner that's doing a, a grand job of shoveling. <laughs> getting on the shoveling right away. Yeah, getting on it, right? So I would say that on a day like today, you're probably not going to know anybody's condition of their, of their driveway. And that might be something that's pretty significant to a buyer's decision. I don't know. Yeah, no kidding. Right. How do you even get around that? Is it just, it's just a limitation. It's just a part of the... The timing that it's an unknown or. Well, it kind of begs the question like. Or do you just show up with a shovel as a buyer and find out? Never seen it happen. (laughs) But maybe. Yeah. You could broom it. You Mm -hmm. could broom a section and make a general idea of what it looks like. I mean, if you have a exposed aggregate driveway, you're going to be able to see something. that shows that it's at least not just a conventional broom finish, plain Jane driveway. Mm -hmm. But if it's cracked and deteriorated and there's movement you might you might not get to see it yeah it might be a guessing game you gotta use your instincts on the general condition of the home to guess maybe Mm -hmm. what the driveway condition is true limitation absolutely yeah totally and there's probably ways around it if you were really that concerned you could maybe ask the seller in your due diligence period to expose some of the driveway so you can get a a better feel for what it looks like or as you said recent photos might lend some information, but totally. Would you would you pull the trigger on a? It honestly, well, it would depend. Not where knowing th- the condition of your driveway, it depends where it falls in the balance of what else I love about that property. Right. It depends on the rest of it, and if it offsets that risk. If it's if the driveway is not the important part to me, because there's something magnificent that sings my heart's true song <laughs> about that property, then I'm probably not too worried about the driveway. But. um yeah, it's all, I think it's all a balance. So here, here's a good question. Let's say you are a homeowner and you decide it's time to replace my roof. Maybe it's not at the very end, but it's like distinctly looking old and maybe it's got some moss buildup and you know it's coming due. Yeah. And you're going to sell your house. So you decide, let's change the roof, make that physical appearance look fresh and new. Mm-hmm. And then... Your significant other, your partner says, 
the driveway is the ugly part of this house. And you decide, well, maybe we should tear it up and build a new driveway. Mm-hmm. And then you finally do all that work and you spend 10000 on your roof and 20000 on your driveway. Oh so you're into this for thirty grand. Yeah. And you're feeling very proud of yeah. your new cosmetic appeal of your home. And then it snows a foot because you took forever to get it done. And then your house goes up on the market. Hmm. Are you really getting any value for your driveway and your roof? I mean, you could make it known as a seller, like that these are brand new and these are the features. Make sure to take some pictures as soon as it's done. Right. And if you absolutely had to sell it that winter, maybe it's better to wait if that's really important to you. To, but, but is it important enough that the buyer sees $30,000, $40,000, $50,000 of improvements? I think it depends on the buyer and what is important to them. Right. I Like... Purse, that's my view of the world. So malleable. Right. Every factor plays a different role, including what, yeah, one person's personal circumstance may, they may not give two flying Fs about that kind of thing. But <laughs> you'd be crazy not to, because that would obviously improve the value of the home or like the longevity. I, of some I, of would, I would say if you drove to Sun Rivers, and you drove to the Solero or Vista up on the upper bench of the newer houses mm-hmm. on the, in that subdivision. And you were to see a beautiful home and you couldn't see the driveway, you would just assume the driveway nice. would be as equally as sexy. I think so too. Yeah. And you would just make a judgment call. But yeah. if you drove to Windbreak in Brock and you were... You slagging on Windbreak over no, there? No, I'm just saying it's a... <laughs> It's a 1970 subdivision. Yeah, I got you. So the driveways are probably either Crack at the end there. or have been replaced recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see an older looking house that maybe has this brand new driveway. Are you seeing any value for it? I mean, the sellers wants value for it, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know. No, we're getting off topic. Anyways, yeah. just thoughts to consider. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Can't assess what you don't see <laughs> in the snow. Totally, yeah. And like... This is something that gets oversighted and luckily probably not that risky, but occasionally it can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the municipal water shutoff location? I know I'm anal cadet guy. I always like when the first snow comes, I spray paint the snow where my water shutoff is on my driveway. Yeah. Because I have a very large driveway. It's like, it's, it's huge. Yeah. Probably like 40,000 square feet. So it's not paved. It's right. got cultured gravel on it. It's kind of semi-rural. Um, and when you plow it, it just becomes like plowed snow. Yeah. You never see the ground until it's time to thaw out. Mm-hmm. But if you needed to shut off the water for the residents, mm-hmm. you would not know where to start digging for that. Right. So I, I spray paint it. And then no matter how many times it snows and melts, you can always see kind of the, the faint... Spray paint. That's a really doesn't damage good the driveway tip. or anything. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that's something that you're not going to know if you're buying, and most people probably will never need to know right. where that sucker is. But occasionally you will, and your home inspector might not think to point it out, yeah. um, or at least flag it as, "Hey, where is you know your water shut off inside of your house is always located in your home inspection, but but municipally maybe not." And usually. When you need your municipal water shut off, it tends to be in the spring. Right. It's in when the, the ground thaw. is in thawing and moving, yeah. that's when things go bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so being that 
the outside seems to be the significant portion of where all the limitations are. Mm-hmm. Landscaping. Yeah. Right? What state is that yard in? What state is it in? Where's the dog poop? Where's all the dog poop? And, you know, like this winter we have a lot of snow already. It's crazy. Yeah. And there are some winters where this these may not be as big of a factor because it's no. like a, a brown <laughs> December. Yeah. But you're right. Like how do you get a good sense of what the yard, the state of the yard is? Which, you know, when you see somebody's really carefully tended landscaping, it does lend an assumption that, other parts of the home are also well cared for. Like it all feeds in. Pride of ownership. Yeah, it all feeds in. So yeah, yeah, limitation. So it is definitely a limitation. Mm -hmm. And I think a a good seller can can manipulate the winter look. For sure. To kind of carry on the pride of ownership and like the landscaping, the care for landscaping. Yeah. If you just see snow banks and there's nowhere, like no footprints, like snow's not in their cards, the cars are in the garage, outside is meant for winter or for summer, not winter. Yeah. That might, you know, be a limiting factor. But I think that, you know, if the, you know, the walkways are plowed and maybe there's still visible landscaping Mm -hmm. lighting or, you know, some decorative trees that are covered in snow, Mm -hmm. it's still kind of like, Gives you an impression that landscaping is probably tittled, but you're never going to know about irrigation. No. Irrigation is is not going to be able to be tested. And if you claim you have underground sprinklers and maybe you just have them working in small areas, you're not going to know. Right. So that's, that can be a limitation. And I can tell you there is a high risk in the fall when you have estate sales foreclosures or renters that move out previous to the, to the, to the ice landing mm-hmm. that the sellers may not winterize stuff. Oh, properly. cause they're, if they're trying to get out quick or yeah, other circumstances. Yeah. Ooh. And if you don't, you know, blow out your irrigation. Right. So let's say, let's say September, you do a deal and it's September 18th and it completes in December. And the seller moves out early. I don't know. It's not frozen yet. It doesn't feel like late September, usually around here, still gets 20s. Still pretty summery, yeah. So you're not thinking blowing out irrigation yet. Mm-hmm. And you're probably still cutting grass. Mm-hmm. And maybe you move out or you have a tenant in there or whatever. And you, you, you disappear from the scene. You're not thinking. Buyer moves in and the foot of snow on the ground and you just assume the best. But yeah. realistically, it, it was something that was forgotten. So... So is that something that you as a realtor would ever write into a contract or is it just on your list that you provide your new homeowner with, let's say, like things to keep in mind? Like I, who, whose responsibility is that in that? I think the point? realtor does play a role in it. They need, they're, sure. they're supposed to be aware of potential, you know, mm-hmm. pitfalls, right? Mm-hmm. So you should be paying attention to it. Yeah. I would say it would get forgotten in a lot of cases and I think, the last time I had an issue with irrigation being frozen and cracked, it was a situation where the buyer was lowballing the seller. The seller was in financial trouble. And I just said, like, either one of two things, you pay for the blowout or expect it to be frozen because I don't think they're going to be doing anything. Right. Right. So that's a tough situation to get around. Yeah. Every circumstance has its own. Right. Quirks. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And then like we've done podcasts on pools before. I think we, we were due for another one, maybe mm-hmm. when the weather gets better, but 
Pools are a huge limitation. They're a huge expense. I, I don't see a seller getting the full value of a pool when they sell it in the winter. Right. I think you get a deal as a buyer buying a house with, let's say, an in-ground pool because it's not perceived as being that functional and it's not attractive. At its core, it's a seasonal feature. Totally. So in the off-season, it's not a feature. (laughs) Exactly, right? So the pros and cons are this. you, As a buyer, you take higher risk buying a pool uh, in the winter months but you pay less for it. Mm-hmm. Like the house doesn't have the value for it. Mm-hmm. And in the summer, great. You get to inspect it and check it all out, mm-hmm. but you're going to actually pay for that pool. Yeah. Cause um, it's up and running and it's up and running. It's blue. It's, yeah. It comes with a, a curb feel. It looks real good on a hot summer day. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And I can tell you from experience, years ago I had a property that was for sale in a particular subdivision and it was like the only house in that subdivision that had a pool. Mm. And there were multiple buyers looking for a house with a pool, in-ground pool. And there was a frenzy for this house. And if you are in like the winter months, nobody ever asks for a house with a pool. No. It's... Even the pooliest of people <laughs> have forgotten about pools. Yeah. And isn't that that's such an interesting reminder that we really are... Focused on what's in front of us. Emotional it's, it's buyers. Hard. Yeah, it's hard to think back. Even just a few months ago, how right. hot it was when you're in the middle of a blizzard. <laughs> this is good perspective to keep in mind when you're shopping around. And there's like another part of that landscaping one. I kind of touched on it, but like you got to be really careful as a buyer when the seller has pets. Mm. And you buy in the winter months. Let's say you have a couple dogs or a dog. That dog is pooping outside in the yeah. snow, which is getting covered up by fresh snow every couple yeah, of days. Yeah, it's just a yard full of dog poop. Yeah, and then it thaws out and melts in the spring. Yeah. And that is always, that's always <laughs> an issue on a spring purchase right after Ooh. the thaw. Yeah. So um, tough to write that one in. I remember I, I did a transaction this past winter. Um, and it was going to be an issue because there was a tenant in the house and the tenant's dog was like putting little surprises in the lawn mm. everywhere. And the buyer reached out to make sure that that was dealt with. Oh yeah. And we did a hold back. So in this case, the seller did not fulfill their obligations to clean up the feces mm-hmm. and we nailed them for like two grand Nice for cleanup. So that's some forethought goes into that sort of deal where you've written it into the contract. Yeah. Nice. And remember, too, that we're not in that blizzard of a market anymore. No. And when the market was crazy, you just couldn't be that strategic. It was just, here's the money we're giving you. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't care about anything. Yeah. Now we <laughs> go back to matters. a stable market where we can negotiate and be strategic about all these little knickknacks, right? And take your time. Like the, the, because, yeah, that frenzy state is not so acute. It is definitely There's time not. to nitpick. What else is on your list of winter limitations when you're buying? Well, there was one I wanted to touch upon with uh, foundations and outside exterior mechanical, which would like then lead into like air conditioning heat pumps. Uh, but let's start with foundations first. I feel foundations can be a limitation or they cannot be a limitation. I'll tell you the difference. Typically an older house is not as well insulated 
and the house will leak heat and the, the exterior of a house will typically be melted. Mm-hmm. You will actually see the exterior of the foundation around a perimeter house. That, that's fine. And in those cases, there's no limitation. But as we move into more efficient housing and we get houses that are now, foundations can be insulated from the exterior and the interior, then you can get in a situation where there's not enough leakage of heat in the basement for any melt to occur, you know, if it's minus 10 or colder. Yeah. And then you can get buildup of snow around foundations where it becomes a limitation. You can't physically see what that foundation looks like. Mm-hmm. The code requires eight inches of exposed foundation around the perimeter of a modern house. So if eight inches of snow, there's already more than eight inches of snow at my house. Mm-hmm. If that was to be queued around the exterior of the house, it could be a very big limitation. So is that up to the inspector, the home inspector then, to get a look at it? Like, how do you... Inspectors are pretty visual-based. Okay. I think a proactive inspector might take the initiative, but I tend to feel that a lot of times it's left to the, you know, this is a limitation. Sorry, I can't do it. If you want to go and provide visible access, then I can evaluate Mm -hmm. it further. But I feel that in the way that the liability is concerned around a home inspector's job, and I say this because I know what the rules are, but I know what I would do. I would just kick the snow away from the foundation all the way around the house. So you could just be fulfilled that, hey, it looks good. Yeah. But I don't think that's well exercised. It might not be the standard or the norm. It's not required. That's actually kind of shocking to hear that it's not required and that there's such a, a, maybe let's call it a range of thoroughness. The, like, the, the summary statement for a home inspector's job is that it's a visually based inspection. Mm-hmm. So anything that's limiting from a visual inspection is going to be, it should be noted that mm-hmm. it was a limitation. Right. And then you as a buyer can exercise your desire to further evaluate it, mm-hmm. um, which you should. Mm-hmm. Foundation's probably the most important thing that you're going to look at on your house. So, yeah, it's something to consider anyways. Totally. And then going back on a pool, the pool's foundation, which is not really considered a structural foundation, but the coping and curbing around the exterior of the pool mm-hmm. uh, is completely invisible, right? Yeah. In snow conditions. And it's probably like, 75% of the problems. Oh, really? Yeah. Like cracking and deterioration and then movement and the liner moves and stretches and twists and turns and cracks and rips and tears and yeah. whatever, right? Then you got a sinkhole. <laughs> um, here's one that has absolutely nothing to do with a visual limitation as opposed to an environmental condition. Mm-hmm. But buyers just don't spend as much time outside the house walking around it. Fair enough. It's cold. You're uncomfortable. You don't have the right footwear. Yeah. So you may not... Might not be focusing on the details. Yeah, you might not be looking at all the details. And it might not be the house details, but maybe like detached structures or fences or mm-hmm. landscaping or, or other items. Or maybe there's a part of the house that's difficult to get to with snowbanks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you just don't go over there and then you realize, hey, the, there's trees growing up the house. Or I don't know, just yeah. something that might be something you should know, but you... You chose not to spend as much time on the outside of the house. Yeah. Right? That's definitely a limitation. That makes sense. Um, Yeah, like I wrote down a note here, like a new build scenario, okay? So when you look at a new, newly built house, Mm -hmm. there's no landscaping done if you're completing a house 
anywhere between, let's say, October to March. Yeah. There's no sod, irrigation, all that stuff happens later. Dirt. It's dirt, but once it's combed with a nice comb of snow, it gives it the feel uh-huh. of a finished product. <laughs> yeah. It might be a real eye surprise when you wake wake in the the. the after your hibernation. Yeah, after hibernation, <laughs> there's just like, you know, building garbage and stuff, like nails and screws hanging on the ground. Good point. Right? Um, we touched on concrete steps. Chimneys might be a limitation as well. Chimneys can't be evaluated typically unless you're on the roof. Okay. So if you can't get on the roof, obviously you can't evaluate the chimney. Um, structurally, outside of foundations... You might get a lot of like deck posts um, and like, you know, just general posts that are closer to the grade level mm-hmm. that might be buried with snow. There could be rot and deterioration there. Yeah. You might not be able to get at that. And then we, we did walk over ACs. So if you are buying a home and you have a home inspection during these colder months, they won't inspect the air conditioning in it because it has a potential to damage it in the mm-hmm. cold weather. Which, that potential is really low. Okay. And there actually is a way to evaluate an air conditioner in the dead of winter, even if it's minus 20 out. Um, but it, it takes a mild bit of risk on the <laughs> home inspector side. But I'll explain how I would have done it. Um, you take like two or three garbage bags and you turn the air conditioner on. And the... You put the air, you put the garbage bags around the outside of the air conditioner, mm-hmm. so they'll suck to them, right? Like, yeah, because it's like a radiator that's sucking yeah. the cold air through those fins of the uh, condensing coil. And then you literally put your head over the fan, oh so you're feeling the air. <laughs> yeah, and you literally have to do this for like two or three minutes. Then you rip the garbage bags off, and you will feel a little burst of warm air. That tells you everything you need to know about air conditioning. Oh, wild. It tells you that the coils are working, that there's refrigerant, that the compressor works. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to go in the house and feel the vent and go, yes, it's cold air, like it's working. Yeah. You need to feel that temperature change, and that's mm-hmm. the only way to do it. And if you left those garbage bags on for like 10 minutes, you are definitely damaging air I was just about to say, it does sound risky, <laughs> but... I've done it... For 10 years, I did it as a home inspector in the winter, and I never wrecked one air conditioning. Although, if a seller saw me do it, they would get pretty uh, upset. <laughs> I would <laughs> no, try to no. do it without anyone noticing. <laughs> yeah. So, but then if you have a heat pump, of course, the heat pump will tell you the heat pump side is working because you can run that in the winter. Um, unless it's super cold and it's really not a heat pump, it's more of an air conditioning unit. Mm-hmm. You don't get that action at, you know, minus 10 or whatever. Um, what else have I got written here? Well, this might be a pro, a bit of a pro, or it could be a limitation. Depends on how you look at it, I guess. (laughs) But the seller might be a little bit more motivated. So if you're a buyer and there's a house for sale in the winter, they're probably a pretty serious seller. Right. Or a desperate seller. Right. There could be reasons for them to sell, but I, I wouldn't look into it that deep. But it's not always a bad idea to buy in the winter. Right. So I guess trying to transition this into a pro. Yeah. You could be dealing with a motivated seller. You might have more leverage for negotiations. Mm -hmm. You might have a vacant home that insurance is not comfortable with insuring with no homeowner. Yeah. 
And so there's an elevated cost to the seller. So as a buyer, there's a pro there. Mm-hmm. Um, something that we probably didn't get too deep into, but if you're buying a vacant home, there's all kinds of potential for frozen pipes. Oh, yeah. Um, which could be looked at from both sides of the story. It could be a pro, it could be a con. Like, it's not going to be a limitation to your evaluation unless the water shut off. So if you're buying in the winter, you'll be able to see, hey, it's minus 15 out. Do I have frozen pipes? Mm-hmm. The flip side of that would be if you've evaluated it and it becomes vacant before you complete, you may have a potential for freezing pipes. Right. There's like a flip and a flop there. Tricky. And vacant homes, probably a whole story in itself, but lots of times people will turn the water off in a vacant home, but not truly winterize that home. Right. And then you run the risk of not being able to test the water because it's off and you're not sure if it's winterized or if it's just literally shut off. So there's some discussion there for sure. But let's, let's look at the good, the good side of the story. Yeah. Advantages. So you definitely get a better evaluation of your heating components. Yep. Right? You're going to know in the basement which rooms are oh, not yeah. feeling as warm. Mm-hmm. That could be a good one. Um, you definitely get a better aspect on heat loss. Even as you said earlier, like seeing if there's melt around the house, like that's Total. a good yeah. point. And the roof. And the roof. If you see spots on the roof where you're getting more heat loss in the mm-hmm. attic, you'll... You'll see that mm-hmm. reflected in snow melt. Um, big old bay windows, like those old like downtown sagebrush homes. Yeah. When you when it's minus twenty out and it's seventy five inside the house, but you stand next to that window, you're going to feel a cold effect. Yes. And so you may not think about that when it's thirty five out. Yeah. But that's a. That's definitely a feel factor that you get in a house, right? Especially older houses. My parents live in that neighborhood and I was there on the weekend sitting next to their bay window, shivering. Right. I was, and I had that exact thought, which was like, this window sucks right. <laughs> in the winter. So do you know why you feel cold next to a window when the temperature of the air is static? Why? So you're in a house, okay? Yeah. If you were to put a thermometer beside you, the the temperature of the air would be consistent with whatever you've set your thermostat to. I have a hard time believing that, but okay. But there's there's what's called a cold wall effect. Okay. And so you, as a source of heat, (sighs) okay? Yeah. Your heat, your body heat is trying to equalize the cold wall or window. Mm -hmm. And so the heat is leaving your body. Yeah. To quickly. go quickly, mm-hmm. which is what is called cold, known as cold wall effect. Interesting. Which is why they always put the heat vents under windows. Yeah. So that there's like more flow of air there and, and it supposedly feel better. Um, this is a good one because this is an old house issue, but condensation around windows, mm-hmm. you're not going to see that in the summer months, but definitely in the colder months, if you have crappy windows or you have air leakage around your windows, you'll see condensation. Yeah. It's a good one. Um, not many buyers are going to run into the attic to check the ventilation of an attic, but there are a lot of cues when evaluating a home, whether or not there's adequate ventilation in the attic. Mm-hmm. Attic quit. Attic quit. Attic quit ventilation <laughs> in the attic. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we, we need to leave a little <laughs> pause there for the. <laughs> 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 
perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be more a trained eye one. Um, and then like maybe like some snow level contact with the home. It, it's not a pro, but it's a, a pro to know if you're going to have that issue. Mm-hmm. It, you might not know you're going to have an issue in the summer months, but when you see snow, snow accumulation, like especially when you go to Sun Peaks yeah, and you look at those houses up there, you know, if there's six feet of snow coming off a metal roof and it's up against a window or a, the siding of a house, Ooh, yeah, it's something to consider, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a pro in that you get to evaluate it. Right. Whereas you might miss it in the summer. It's not a pro in that, but yeah. I gotcha. Um, another pro, you might be working with a motivated buyer. Mm-hmm. So if you're a seller and there's a buyer coming to your house on Christmas Eve, he's probably not kicking tires. Yeah. Um, maybe a pro for a, a seller. And there's definitely like better access to services like lawyers and movers. Okay, because it's a generally a slow time. Slower time, yeah. Oh, that's a good point. You might be, get better attention from your realtor. Mm-hmm. A real estate agent Same might Same reason. Yep. Um, see if I got any other pros here. Um, you might get the sense of what Christmas is like in your home. Yeah, I was just thinking actually about the holiday time... I can feel see warm. why it slows down because people are either like, ugh, I don't want, you know, it's such a, it can be a busy time of year, but it's such a cozy time. It's all about decorations and lights. So if you yeah. would get a really good sense of cozy. the cozy factor. The cozy factor. Potentially. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much all I got. There was one thing I glazed over here on the limitations that I just saw in my notes that I wanted to point out was in rural properties, if you have a septic system, there can be a bit of a, a limitation to evaluating that septic system in the winter months, mm-hmm. especially if your septic lid or tank is three feet below grade. And, and the ground's frozen. Ground's frozen <laughs> and nobody knows exactly where it is. Yeah. That is definitely a limitation that I've encountered, which can cause havoc, panic, unknown, uncertainty. Yeah. Um, it can be... It can be dealt with. Mm-hmm. There, there is ways of solving that problem, but it just takes a little more thought process when you're building your conditions. Yeah. A good list. I mean, and so in just to summarize, I think it sounds to me like there's just a lot to keep in mind because it may not be, you may not be thinking about what you, you have the opportunity to learn in the winter about the home. Right. Because like, it just sort of flips everything on its head in terms of, as opposed to looking in the summer at a, at a house, you learn a totally different set of information just by being there, but are limited with those conditions. I don't know. Totally. Yeah. The, What's the lesson here? The, the house, like a Canadian home, okay, mm-hmm. considered to be more in the north of, from the equator. Mm-hmm. So we get both conditions. We get warm and we get cold. And in cold conditions, we need to still maintain heat in the house, which has a potential for a lot of like environmental damages to the home, right? Condensation being mm-hmm. the number one thing. Mm-hmm. So probably the biggest problem you can have in a poorly built home is condensation issues, okay. which is not always that verifiable in summer months. Right. When the temperatures are nearing the kind of the same, right? Mm-hmm. When you go to southern climates where 
it's hot outside and you're making the cold inside or you're trying to, you know, create a colder environment inside, a lot of that damage happens on the exterior of the house as opposed to the inside of the house. Oh, okay. Because condensation would happen outside, oh. not inside. So there's a lot more that can be learned from a house. I mean, a lot of these conditions you can see from, there's, they leave trail, mm-hmm. right, if there's a problem, but there's definitely a benefit to purchasing in the winter and there's some limitations as well. Yeah. So you got to weigh, you got to weigh your buyer scale out <laughs> and uh, make sure that you're just aware. It's better just to be aware of what you're up against so that you can correct your perspective and make and expectations. Like, choices that, yeah, are a little bit more educated instead of just assuming things because as a hard time to learn a lesson is six months after you've already bought the house. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't see a buyer buying a Sun Rivers home on the side of a mountain as doing a full walkthrough of the exterior. Yeah. I bet you that doesn't Because of assumptions or, that... Well, there's probably like six feet of snow. So you'd right. be, you'd, you'd have to swim your way. Right. Through around the house. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, they're typically ski in, ski out. They're usually in a hillside environment. Yeah. Not easily accessible. Mm-hmm. Sun Peaks. Sun Peaks. Ah, got what it. did I say? I think you might have said Sun Rivers. I meant Sun we'll Peaks. listen to the playback and see what happens. <laughs> cool. Well, that's all I got this week on the uh, Countless Real Estate Insider. I appreciate your ears for the last 44 minutes and 53 seconds. Mm. Long uh, one. Yeah. I hope we bring you value and continue to bring you value moving forward. And uh, have a great winter buying season. Mm-hmm. Stay cozy. Stay cozy.